Hello, cocktail lovers. Welcome to Paris Cocktail Talk, the show brought to you by the 52 Martinis Guide to Paris Cocktail Bars. I'm Forrest Collins, and I'm here to talk to you about cocktailing in the French capital and bring you other small batch spirits news from France and beyond. Today, we're going to talk about whether or not France is the capital of the wine world. And to me, it's interesting because I think, I, I feel like so many of my American friends outside of France have this view of France, you know, when they're kind of looking at it from, from outside, sort of based on romanticized notions and, and what we think the, the French do and, and how they are. And, um, you know, I even talked about this a little bit. I had David Leibovitz on the show a few months back, and we were talking about how Americans imagine their Parisian life uh, sipping lilé on a terrace and... And that's just not really what the French people are doing. So I think sometimes we have perceptions of France and perceptions of its gastronomy and its culinary trends and its and its uh, drinks that maybe are not quite um, in line with reality, or maybe they are. So today, to find out a little bit more about that in terms of wine, we have Preston Moore back on the show. You might remember him from last month when we were talking about pairing cheese and wine. So today we're going to talk to him a little bit about France's role in the wine world, its place in the wine world. And you probably remember, because I'm sure you're all faithful listeners who already listened to the last month's episode, he is from Minnesota. He came to Paris to complete his studies in art history. He's lived in France for 15 years now and has a diploma in wines and spirits from the WSET. He has a master's in hospitality and tourism management. In 2001, he founded Paris by the Glass, where he provides services as a wine educator doing tours and and small workshops. Uh, Starting this year, he has taken on a new role in sales and business development for the Chateau de Pomar, which is a chateau in Burgundy. So we're really excited to have him back and uh, and to talk about the subject. So welcome, Preston. Thank you, Forrest. I'm so happy to be back. Yay. So um, we talked about this a little bit kind of off-site elsewhere. And I, you know, I was saying to you, I feel like the French culinary scene has this reputation sort of globally, but I feel like it kind of stagnated for a while, for a few years. I don't know if it was maybe like even like following um, Nouvelle Cuisine or, or what, but I feel like even when I moved here, it was kind of, it just, it wasn't really up to the, to the hype that so many people outside of France felt like it was. And then maybe, um, you know, 10 years ago, we started, started to see kind of an injection of younger chefs and foreigners and different people coming in and just adding a little bit of spice and vitality to the French restaurant scene. That is my perception of it from, from inside France. And I feel like maybe you might have a similar uh, thought on, on wine and, and France. I mean, I don't know if it's the exact same timeline, but tell me, tell me what you think about France and how they've been in the, in the wine world. Well, I think that we think automatically of France, you know, when we talk about fine wine uh, or wine in general, most people conjure up ideas of Paris. And um, But the fact of the matter is, is that Paris really isn't the center of, of wine, um, hasn't really been uh for a long time, uh, and um, they're kind of they're in a, you know right now going through a little bit of a PR um, kind of campaign to really bring 
wine back to Paris. I know that sounds kind of strange, but, um, you know, for a long time, Paris was eclipsed by London, uh, which nobody believes me when I say that unless you're in the wine industry. I and mean, this is, you know, when I studied my, for my WSET diploma, I actually did it in London. And I would come back and, you know, tell people here, whether they were in the wine industry or not, you know, that I was doing this in London, and they would just stop and they'd say, what, you're studying wine in London? Well, I had to go into like a five-minute explanation of, yes, London's actually probably one of the most important cities in the world uh, for the wine industry and has some of the best, um, you know, wine um, people and journalists. And, and um, I think part of that comes from the fact that they don't make much wine in England. I mean, more and more to, so today, but they've had to go. They've historically been um, great tradespeople that have gone, you know, throughout the world, sourcing the best wines, bringing them back. And so they have this profound depth of you know knowledge and appreciation for wine um which and they're not held back by kind of a cultural underpinning of wine like we are here in france uh and i think that's you know um, france is trying to kind of catch up and and take its place again uh back in the wine sphere um it's been a relatively closed um, industry as well. I think I like to say run by heterosexual white males. I mean, like most industries, but wine is one of these things that I had no idea going into it that it was such a male-dominated industry, uh, and that's starting to change as well. So that's a whole other topic, and you touched on that with Tanisha a couple months ago, but yeah. um, you know, it's, it, it's just the way the world, it, it's the way it is, and, and I'm glad to see things starting to change quite a bit. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. There's, there's two other sort of similarities to to the wine world and the food world that that, you, that just came up for me when you were talking about that, which is, one, I'm tired of every time I say to somebody, oh, I'm popping over to London for a weekend. Oh, good luck with the food. They have great food in London. My, you know, one of my favorite French restaurants is in London. And um, so, yeah, the food and then uh, the London food, wine, same, and also dominated by um, by white heterosexual males. I think that that's maybe what's shaken up the f the food scene here is that we're seeing you know more variety coming in of people making food, and it's it's been an issue also with you know large like salons like or festivals like Taste Paris. You know, people are always saying we need more women re restaurateurs and chefs in here. So, yeah, I think there's definitely more parallels there. So you talked about London. Are there other countries or cities where you think that they're what, where they're doing doing wine better? I think certainly New York. Um, lots of fun things going on there with festivals and different activities. And there's uh, Vin Expo as well in New York. That I think it's going on now. Um, and um, so it's certainly a great place for wine. Uh, also, I think similar like to the UK, you know, we're not bound to this historical tradition of winemaking in, in the US. I mean, we make great wines, but it's only been for the last couple decades that we've made, been making really quality wine. Um, so it allows us in the pla those places to really go and, and start developing um, these types of groups and uh, conferences and conventions and really draw some of the world's biggest players in wine. Um, and then the last place I'd probably mention would be Hong Kong, uh, which really has to do with the fact that wine imports and, and such were not are no longer taxed. And so it became really a great place for um, the Chinese, or kind of the point of penetration for the Chinese market. Uh, so wines can be shipped there and held and stored, et cetera, without having to you know go through all the rules and regulations that it would take to get them into mainland China. Uh, and those buying, you know, certainly the higher end wines um, in China can, can get them um, when they go to Hong Kong. 
Yeah. Well, I think in Hong Kong too, um, there's a lot of um, importance placed on um, luxury items. So, you know, it's a big market for cognac or for spirits like that that are expensive. And it's also, I was just recently interviewing somebody on this exact um, topic for Rum Porter. It's um, also uh, seeing a really big increase in like high-end rum. So it's not surprising that that's a market that's um, that's opening up and doing interesting things in, in wine. I'm not surprised by that. Now, I do think um, even though people are coming in and shaking things up, I do think there's still a lot of respect for France in terms of their gastronomy, in, their, in terms of their traditions. I mean, you know, the, the French school of cooking is amazing. I mean, they've basically, that's it. It's, you know, whether or not that's um, trickling all the way down to their corner cafe, that's another story. But I think chefs come here, they train, and then they take what they learn and they go elsewhere. Um, or they, you know, they, it's a great foundation. So can, does that translate to the wine world as well in terms of, you know, French um, traditions in making wine or I, I don't know. I don't know. Is there any translation similarities? Certainly. I think um, definitely in the past there's been maybe more than there is today um, of, you know, young the younger generations of winemakers from throughout the world coming to France and maybe working, um, doing a vintage or two here, um, throughout wherever, you know, they, they found themselves. Um, and then going back and kind of disseminating that knowledge, uh, and really letting it influence their winemaking. I mean, you have, for example, big, a uh, uh, couple winemakers and, and, and now, you know, that are, um, getting on in their years, but that were, you know, called the Rhone Rangers in California that, you know, came over here and studied these wonderful Syrah wines from the Northern Rhone and then went back home and started kind of influencing their wines in California, et cetera. Um, I don't know how much of that's really going on today, um, to be honest. I just don't think like maybe there's maybe a bit less of it now just because we're making great wines in so many places now that a winemaker's child from um, California or, you know, Oregon could easily go to Australia or New Zealand or, you know, could go to another state in the United States and learn um, just as much as ha than having to fly, you know, all the way to France. Um, but I still think it does hold this great place in most winemakers' heart. You know, we, we hold... Any wine made throughout the world, it's usually held up to a standard that's kind of, you know, the, the standard P Burgundy is, or standard Pinot Noir is a Burgundy, and the standard um, Cabernet Sauvignon is a, is a Bordeaux, I mean, to a lesser degree, but I think it's still kind of a benchmark for so many of our world's wines. Yeah. <clears throat> I find it really difficult to find non-French wines in France. It's not impossible, but... Um, it, it, it's just there's so many French wines and recent, well, recently, a while back uh, with some of the girls, we were going to do a little wine comparison and, and compare Syrah. So we were all going to get different Syrah from different places. And um, and really, we ended up having, it, it was difficult, you know, we couldn't find Syrah, which, you know, you can find in so many different regions or countries. Um, we just couldn't find it here. So uh, I don't know. Uh, we also, t you and I have talked about how some of the wine, French wine that gets imported is not what we're necessarily drinking here. A lot of times my American friends are, you know, drinking the Picpoul or something like this, which is, I never see it on menus here, really. I mean, maybe I'm just not looking, but what do you have to say about that and France's place in the wine world? Basically, what you're getting here and what you're getting there in terms of French wine. 
Yeah, I think there is definitely really a disparity between <laughs> French wine and the export market and here in, in France. Um, I think you tend to get two sides exported. You get the really crappy stuff and then you get the really amazing stuff. And the middle of the road French wine is often not exported for various reasons, maybe because it's a small entity that's making it and has a hard time keeping up with demands or maybe it's just that there's less interest or because I think a main factor of this is when that wine is exported it will triple or quadruple in price by the time it reaches the restaurant table um, so that's why you happen to see the peak pools and things like that that are very popular now in the U.S. and certainly in the U.K. Uh, because they're three euro bottles of wine they leave France and they become 25 pound bottles of wine on a restaurant menu uh, in in the U.K. or $30 bottle um, you know and, and cash of a of a, a liquor store in the U.S., um, it's just it's just economics. Um, I think that you know why we don't see so many of the uh, foreign wines here in France is because the government actually controls the amount that we're allowed to import of foreign wines in order to protect. French wines, which I think is a great thing. But sometimes it's boring when you're a wine geek like myself and you want to seek out foreign wines. You know, this is why I typically come back with wine from wherever I travel, um, fill up my suitcase. Um, and you have, you know, the same distributors of Italian wines that sell to every Italian restaurant or whatever. And you you can't really find anything that interesting, um, but it's mostly just protection uh, for the, the, the livelihood of the French winemaker. I support that as well. And it, personally, I'm more and more thinking about um, drinking locally. I know that, you know, local and slow, these aren't new ideas, but, you know, I feel like um, there's so many good things to enjoy here that I don't have to go outside of the French borders to get great wine. So I feel like it's a luxury to have something that comes from a different place because that wine has to travel and, um, you know, there's a carbon footprint cost to that. So I don't mind that, um, that, that wines are protected here. Um, and yeah, and when I'm in the U.S. And, and somebody does suggest the pig pool and I see the $25 bottle, I think, no, my friends hate drinking French wine with me in restaurants in the U.S. because every single time I say I would never pay that. I'm never paying that for a bottle of French wine. Yeah, so. like, I get that at the supermarket <laughs> oh for three ninety nine. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And they say, we hate you. Exactly. We want to move to France. Can we sleep on your couch for yes. a month? Yeah. Exactly. So um, anyway, all very fun and interesting um, so, uh, I was going to talk to you about, so is there any, is there any subsidizing in France with, with the wine industry? In terms of subsidies that are received by winemakers? Yeah. Oh, yes. A yeah. Ton, ton. I mean, it's just like any other agricultural product, you know, there's a lot of, of money available, uh, yeah. fortunately to, to winemakers. I mean, I can't speak for them myself, but, you know, speaking to many of them that I've met before, I mean, they're not just left out there on their own. I mean, they have certain ways that are, um, you know, certain systems in place that allow them to continue because it's certainly not a, a money-making industry. Uh, and it's very hard to to make a living and, and make a good product and, you know, feel proud about what you're doing. Yeah. Well, I think that's true too. And I think there's sort of, um, like campaigns to, you know, isn't there that poster that's, I think it's in, I think it's in the Loire. And so it's sort of like make this motion to save the the winemakers. And it's basically, I think the motion is you're lifting a glass to your, to your lips. So there's these sort of promotional campaigns with cute graphics and, and designs to encourage people to, to drink um, French wine and, and support the local winemakers, <coughs> which again, I agree with. Um, so, 
natural wine. Can we talk about that for a little bit? My understanding is natural wine uh, kind of got its start here in France, correct? I don't know if I would say here for sure, but yes, probably if not Italy or somewhere in between. Okay. You know? um, but yeah, it's really, um, I think a lot of people look to France for that. It's certainly the Loire Valley is kind of, a, was an incubator for a lot of the yeah. natural wines and still kind of holds that reputation. And they still have the you know main event for natural wines, which is La Dive Bouteille, which just happened in, in February of this year. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's just, um, there was a younger generation that was kind of coming into play and either was these people were buying their own vineyards uh, in lesser known appellations or in places that, you know, didn't even have an AOC affiliated with them, or they were maybe taking over vineyards that were run by their parents' generation and they were starting to kind of want to do things more naturally. Um, that being said, I mean, if you asked me this question like five or six years ago, I probably would have like just said, Forest, we're not going to talk about natural wine because it's crap. Because um, that's pretty much where I was at, and I think a lot of people in the industry were that way too. Well, those those crappy wines really are few and far between now. I mean, I think the ones that are, are quote unquote natural, uh, which is really very hard definition yeah. to really make, but um, you know, the ones that are still around are um, pretty good and are good. And I mean, but I don't ever seek that as a, I wouldn't ever choose a wine because it was natural. I think it's great to find out it's natural. I mean, usually when you taste it, you can kind of tell uh, if you're, you know, a good taster, you know a bit about how natural wines are made. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily use that as a, you know, I wouldn't go into a shop and just ask exclusively for a natural wine, um, nor would I for an organic wine or a biodynamic wine or all these things we, you know, these labels we put on wine. Um, but it's nice to know that most natural wine producers are really watching out for mother nature um, and also trying to make, I don't think anyone would want to make a bad product. Um, but then again, we do have really bad restaurants in Paris. And sometimes you're like, well, why would anyone ever who works here ever send this food out of the kitchen? Um, which happens, you know, more often yeah. than I'd like to admit. Um, so maybe winemaking is the same. I don't know. But at least the people I work with or that I've met in my education and, you know, my business have been all passionate people and are doing things the best that they can in order to make wine in the most natural way possible that still tastes good. Yeah. Um what you said kind of touched on why I was kind of heading towards that question because of France's, I think, you know, pretty significant involvement in the natural wine um, trend in the Loire. And from what I understand, there's a lot of natural winemaking happening in Beaujolais as well. Definitely. Um, uh, and I can kind of look at it both ways exactly like you said. I don't seek out natural wine. For me, I like a wine for, you know, for its qualities, um, natural or not. So I don't feel like, you know, France is doing natural wine that puts them like front and center on the wine world stage or France is, is doing natural wine that really knocks them off because of, you know, these crappy wines. Um, I just wonder, do you think that its role in natural wine has anything to do with like its, I guess, you know, role in the bigger scheme of things for winemaking? 
maybe it's helped um, bring a younger audience to f- back to France. You know, things tend to be quite generational. And I think if you asked somebody, you know, in their 70s or older in the UK or in, in the US or, you know, many places in the world, you know, what wines they would have loved or want to drink or wanted to drink while they were younger, it was certainly French wines. And then things, you know, we started making better wines elsewhere in the world that were cheaper. Uh, and so people kind of that waned a little bit in terms of interest level and I think it's great that we've been able to offer this kind of other like so many different permutations of French wine now we no longer make just like traditional claret or red Bordeaux or you know the wines of certain famous regions of France that were you know famous throughout the world now we make cheaper wines wines that are more natural wines that are different have different kind of more authentic flavors and identities to them and so that's maybe brought a younger um audience to French wines. You know, I certain certainly you go to like New York, for example, which I mean is not by any means a test of, you know, what America is like because it's, you know, one huge, enormous city with incredible amounts of wealth and um in so many ways is is not, you know, very American. Um, but yet in in a lot of ways is very American at the same time. I mean you go to most trendy wine bars and it's natural French wine or natural Italian wine that they're serving. Um, so that's you know, it gets people interested, maybe bringing them back to um to visit France. Um and and yeah, so I don't think it can can harm the image at all at this point. Yeah. So from talking to you, uh, it sounds like I'm getting oh, I, is what is your opinion? Is is France the the capital of the wine? Is Paris, France, the capital of the wine world, or not? Is it just regaining its position? Where do you think it stands in that now today? It's maybe coming back up to that. I mean, as I said, it really it is in so many ways that are intangible. You know, the fact of the matter that we drink basically drink French grape varieties like all throughout the world, you know, Cabernet Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc and Merlot and all these grapes that are famous and are household names now came from France and thrived here naturally and and have, you know, become really famous wines that are made in other places in the world. So, I mean, in ways, you know, we're then with the, they're trying, I think in France, we're making a lot of efforts to bring things back home. Um, traditionally, and certainly in Paris, too, you know, we just had the first edition of, um, of Wine Paris, which is a big um, trade uh, wine event uh, a couple weeks ago in France. And, um, and that's important because for so long there were no trade event trade events here. There were no there's no educational opportunities, um, and now you have tons of master's programs in wine and spirits. You have marketing programs in luxury goods that deal with wines. You have all these things going on in France that have just come about in the last you know ten years. We're going to have the first edition of Vin Expo as well here next year in 2020, which is a big wine festival or wine um, con- conference convention in Bordeaux that's now expanded to New York, like I mentioned earlier, now it's coming to Paris. So it's this idea of bringing things kind of full circle and bringing wine back to Paris, which I think is is great. Um, And there's just, you know, when I first moved here, I was like, why are people drinking wine out of these crappy wine glasses? And you've started to see restaurants serving wine out of proper wine glasses little by little. I mean, you still you know, they're still not great, but this was like the main thing that really struck home with me was like, why are people drinking great wine out of these stupid, short, thick rimmed, you know, glasses yeah, that you get in restaurants? Little, yeah. And nowadays, you know, you really see more and more restaurants caring about their, uh, about their stemware, which is, I think, very indicative of kind of what's happening. 
I think so too. And I think for me, I love to see, I, I love the idea of bringing wine back to France. I see it also in so many things in the cocktail and the food world as well. I think there's this resurgence of we are in, in Paris, you see a lot of um, kind of revamps and revivals of old restaurants, old bouillon. Um, they've just redone the select on Montparnasse. Um, you know, they, they reopened the cocktail bar in the Galopin. These are really old school, like, you know, grand French institutions. And now they're bringing them back to the life that they deserve. So I think this is great news because I think France and Paris are slowly turning into that romanticized version of Paris and France that we have of it as external people. So I think there's nothing but nothing but great stuff about that. So um, so it just sounds like exciting news. Okay, I got to wrap up here, but is there anything else that you want to share with the listeners before I close? No, just keep on drinking and, and keep on listening to Forest Podcast. Aw, thanks. And um, as I said to you all last month, uh, Preston, he still does wine education, masterclasses, tours, things like that as he can. Um, through Paris by by the glass. So you should check out his page. I'll put links in the show notes. I've gone on tours with him. I've done events with him and I've had private tastings from him and I highly recommend him. He's great. He's super smart, but also really fun to talk to. And I think that's a wrap for this episode. Um, I Yeah, if you're looking for more cocktail talk in between shows, head to our site, 52martinis.com. If you want to carry us around in your pocket and just know automatically where the closest, best cocktail bars to you are, download our iOS app, Paris Cocktails. As always, thank you to today's guest, Preston. And um, thank you to World Radio Paris for editing and production. Thank you to Emily Dilling of Perry Paysan for show notes and web assistance. And don't forget, she also has her own podcast. So go give it a listen because it's really good stuff. Thank you to Sun Little for the music that we use. We will put links to all of those people as well in the show notes. As usual, always please drink responsibly. And if you want to give me a little shout out with an iTunes review, that would be really awesome because that way I know there's really people listening and I'm not just talking to myself in this microphone. So please pop over to iTunes and do that. Until next month, cheers. Cheers.